Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irvish. And today, we're coming to the chapter that will lead our Lord to Gagatha, to Calvary, to the cross, and where he will die for the sins of the world. With that said, I'm just going to start our reading, and I'll be back at the end. John chapter 18 A layman looks at John's gospel. Having completed his upper room discourse, the Lord now departs on his journey to Golgotha and his crucifixion. His first stop will be the Garden of Gethsemane where he will spend time in passionate prayer. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went away with his disciples across the ravine of the Kidron, where there was a garden which he entered with his disciples. The Lord had often come here to pray and to meet with his disciples, and it was here that Judas expected to find him. We get more details of his time here in the other Gospels, where we read of his agony of soul and his Christ to his Father. Now Judas, who was betraying him, also knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Judas was now possessed by Satan, and what a terrible betrayal of a friend. He knew of a place where the Lord would go to be alone and share his friendship with his followers, because for three years he had been a part of that company. Of course, the Lord knew from the very beginning what Judas would do, but the other disciples didn't have a clue. He seemed like one of them. What evil darkness must have mingled itself with Judas' soul as he worked to see the Lord captured? Judas had seen and heard all that the other followers had, yet even basic human affection had no resting place in his heart. It was the dark of night, but the darkness in Judas' soul was even darker. So Judas, having obtained the Roman cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. His greed for the reward of thirty pieces of silver fueled by satanic hatred led him on, and he brought with him a posse of Jews and Gentiles to arrest the Lord of Glory. This group, armed to the teeth and carrying torches, arrived at outside of the garden. Jesus therefore, knowing all the things that were coming upon him. None of this took the Lord by surprise. Nor did it take God the Father by surprise. This day, with all its details had been before the mind of God since before the foundation of the earth, came out into the open and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. The Lord came to meet them and aimed right at their consciences. Who are you looking for? He asked. They responded, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. From what I understand, the word he hear is added by the translators. The Lord's response was, I am. Once again, he was declaring to any who would have ears to hear that he was indeed Jehovah, the God of the Israelites. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. Now then, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. When the Lord said, I am, they fell, retreated, and fell to the ground. For a brief moment his glory was unveiled, and they could not stand before him. He then asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. So overtaken by wicked and cruel hatred were they that could not recalculate their intentions.
This is the human heart on display. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he, so if you are seeking me, let these men go on their way. This took place so that the word which he spoke would be fulfilled, of those whom you have given me I lost, not one. The Lord's love for his own shines through here. His concern is for their safety, not his. He tells the arresting band to allow them to go. This is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Then Simon Peter, since he had a sword. The Lord had told Peter to bring along a sword, so that he could be numbered among the transgressors. He had not told him to use the sword, however. Peter acted in his own natural fleshly way. Drew it and struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. Impulsively cutting off the high priest's servant's ear did two things. It made the man incapable of hearing, and it made more work for the Lord to do. Sometimes we act impulsively and think we are defending the Lord with the carnal weapons of earthly warfare. We do the same thing. We cut off the ears of those who come to us, and we make more work for the Lord to do. The Lord graciously healed the man's ear. So Jesus said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, am I not to drink it? The Lord gently tells Peter to put his sword away, and then utters such incredible word, saying, The cup that my Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? In complete submission to his Father's will, our Lord surrendered himself to this vile band of evil men. Jesus Before the Priests So the Roman cohort, the commander, and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and brought him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now the Lord, who never raised his hand against anyone, is bound and brought before the high priest's father-in-law. This was a man who should have led the Jews in accepting their Messiah, but instead takes the lead in condemning an innocent man. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was in their best interest for one man to die in behalf of the people. There is a solemn responsibility that this man had, and he utterly failed in living up to it. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing at the door outside. This other disciple mentioned here is widely believed to John, the author of this book. I see no reason to doubt it. John clearly was present at the cross. If John was the only disciple who did not flee when the Lord was arrested, but went to stand by him, it should not surprise us that John also was the only disciple to die a natural death, according to tradition. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave woman who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Here is Peter, who only a few hours before proclaimed his unfailing allegiance to the Lord denying that he was a follower of Christ. Have not most of us done that, in word or in deed? Peter must go through a terrible humbling experience to prepare him to testify to the whole house of Israel. If we try to serve the Lord in our own natural energy, the Lord will break us down until we learn to put no confidence in the flesh. Only when completely broken of ourselves are we fit to serve Him properly. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Now we observe a further declension in Peter's state of soul. 
he has denied being a follower of the Lord, and now he finds himself warming himself at the same fire the Lord's murderers used to warm themselves. How it must have pained the Lord to see him there, joining in with them. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world, I always taught in synagogues and in the temple area, where all the Jews congregate, and I said nothing in secret. Why are you asking me? Ask those who have heard what I spoke to them. Look, these people know what I said. An honest inquiry is one thing, but the Lord knew that was not what he was undergoing. For three and a half years the Lord Jesus had openly spoke and taught. There really was no secret about what he said. But when he said this, one of the officers, who was standing nearby, struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? The hypocrisy of the religious flesh is on full display here. The high priest was to be the intermediary between God and the people of Israel, and this officer strikes the Lord of glory, attempting to correct the way that the Son of God spoke to the high priest. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong, but if rightly, why do you strike me? The Lord responds with a challenge. If I said something wrong, then say what it was and why it was wrong. This the man could not do. The Lord had spoken the truth. Then the Lord asks the obvious question, If I spoke rightly, why do you strike me? When we read through the law and the book of Proverbs, we find that God demands righteousness in judgment. We find righteousness so lacking in our laws and courts and that comes as no surprise, but what is so sad and appalling is when we find it lacking in the professing church and among those who claim the name of Christ. So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now this sham trial moves up the judicial ladder. Peter's Denial of Jesus Now Simon Peter was still standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are not one of his disciples as well, are you? He denied it, and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, who was related to the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Peter is again put to the test, and again he fails terribly. Twice here he is asked if he is a follower of Jesus, and twice in cowardice he denies it. That makes a total of three times that he's denied the Lord, and that Jesus had told him that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Now the rooster crowed, and the Lord's words came back to Peter. We learn from other writers that he went out and wept bitterly. The Lord could have kept Peter from denying him, but Peter had some important lessons to learn to fit him for the work God had planned for him to do, and the Lord knew that it was essential for Peter to learn not to trust himself. When we fail the Lord, Satan will tell us that we have made an impossible wreck of things, and that the Lord will never be able to use us again. God delights to use broken vessels who put no confidence in the flesh and know His restoring grace. Because of the focus of his book, John does not write about the Lord standing before Herod. Jesus Before Pilate Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium, so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. As these self-righteous Pharisees prepare to execute an innocent man, they dare not defile themselves by entering Pilate's seat of judgment. As the Lord had said, they would strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Therefore Pilate came out to them and said, What accusation are you bringing against this man? 
Rightly, Pilate asks them for the specific accusation against the Lord Jesus. They were well versed in the law, and knew that the scriptures require that a man be advised of what he is accused of, and be given the opportunity to face his accusers, providing witnesses and evidence to rebut them. No such allowances were made for the Lord Jesus. This was a mob trial, with the outcome predetermined prior to any evidence or even specific accusation was laid out. They answered and said to him, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. In other words, they were telling Pilate that they had already reached their own verdict and there was no need to consider the matter further. So Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves, and judge him according to your law. Had they judged him according to the law, he would have received a fair trial, something they had no interest in. The Jews said to him, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. The charges against the Lord were blaspheme and sorcery, and the penalty for them was death by stoning. Under Roman rule, the Jews were not allowed to carry out their own death sentences. This happened so that the word of Jesus which he said, indicating what kind of death he was going to die, would be fulfilled. Crucifixion was the cruel Roman death penalty. Penned so many years before, the 22nd Psalm graphically portrays crucifixion. The Levitical law taught, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Our Lord willingly took the curse upon himself. During his lifetime, the Lord made several references to being lifted up between earth and heaven. Remember his words in John 3, where the Lord said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Therefore Pilate entered the praetorium again, and summoned Jesus and said to him, You are the King of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate found himself in a distressing situation. Before him stood a man with whom he could find no fault. Outside was an angry mob demanding his execution. We read elsewhere that Pilate's wife had warned him to have nothing to do with this innocent man. The last thing any appointed official wants on his watch is tumult. Unlike Herod, who had for a long time desired to see Jesus in hopes of observing a miracle, Pilate seems to have little or no previous knowledge of Jesus. In hopes of spurring Roman anger against Jesus, the Jews accused him of attempting to usurp Roman authority by pronouncing himself as the king of the Jews, as so this is thing that Pilate inquires of. When he asks the Lord if he was the king of the Jews, the Lord doesn't answer his question directly but instead asks Pilate whether he was saying this on his own or because of what others said about him. Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me, what have you done? Pilate seems to be getting a touch frustrated here. He hadn't asked to be brought into this controversy. He asks Jesus to come clean and tell him what he's done to warrant this arrest. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews, but as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. There is so much in these few words from the Lord. He had not come to set up an earthly kingdom. For now the kingdom of God exists in mystery form. It is spiritual and hidden from the world. One day, it will be revealed when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ, but that day remains future. One day the Lord Jesus Christ will appear in glory and majesty in the clouds, riding a white horse with all his saints, and he will have the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his thigh.
he will set up a kingdom that will fill the whole earth and have no end. He makes the point here to Pilate that if his kingdom was of this world, then his servants would have fought with the Jews to keep them from arresting him. Christians lose sight of this and fight carnal battles with the civic authorities of this world. We are strangers and pilgrims here and ambassadors for Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our king is in rejection now. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. The Lord does not engage with Pilate in a discussion of his kingdom, but instead aims right for his conscience, say that he has come into the world to testify of the truth, and that everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. It puts the spotlight right on Pilate. Will he listen to the truth and receive it? Pilate said to him, What is truth? Pilate's response betrays the cynicism of a career politician. What is truth? In front of him stood that man who was the way, the truth, and the life. Years of backroom dealing and false promises left him incapable of receiving the truth. And after saying this, he came out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no grounds at all for charges in his case. Here we have Pilate's considered verdict, he found no fault in Jesus. All charges against him were baseless. However, you have a custom that I release one prisoner for you at the Passover, therefore do you wish that I release for you the king of the Jews? Searching perhaps for a compromise that could end the uproar, Pilate offers the Jews the release of Jesus as his annual act of clemency. His offer was swiftly rejected. So they shouted again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a rebel. The Jews made a national choice of a seditious murderer over Jesus, the Christ of God. Such is the human heart. Well, as we end the reading of this uh, chapter, I'm just going to go over the high points, and then i got to make one comment, or I should say one question. In this chapter, we looked at the betrayal of Jesus, how he was betrayed and turned over to the enemies. Then we see uh, Jesus uh, faces Ananias and uh, Caiaphas. And then uh, we've seen Peter's denial of the Lord. Then we see uh, Peter's denial against Jesus again. And then we also see Jesus before Pilate. And then we see the Lord claiming that his kingdom was not of this world. But there is a kingdom coming. And uh, that kingdom will be when the Lord returns as the Lion of Judah to set up his kingdom on this earth. And then uh, he'll be Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And the next time we get together, we're going to be looking at the fact that Jesus is delivered over for crucifixion. But there's one question I got to ask before I end this podcast. Do you warm up to the world like Peter did? 
you know, Peter was a follower of the Lord. And the question's always asked, we have the Holy Spirit. Do we warm up to the world? You know, I have a neighbor that's not a Christian. And I get a chance, I witness to him. I'm always telling him about the Lord. But one day he said he was going to have a yard party and he was going to invite me. And I know there's a lot of drinking going on and crowsing and probably cursing. Do I want to be part of that? Do I want to warm up to the world? No. I want to reach him with the gospel. I want to show him love and kindness. Do what I can to bring him to the saving knowledge of the Lord. But do I want to party with him? No. I do not want to warm up to the world. And why not? Because the Holy Spirit that was given to me tells me this is wrong. Now, Peter had not at this time received the Holy Spirit. He was acting on his flesh. And a Christian can act on his flesh also. But the Bible teaches that it grieves the Holy Spirit because the flesh wars against the Spirit. So yes, we can warm up to the world, but it's not what God wants us to do. You have to ask yourself when you do things, is it what the Lord wants me to do? You know that little saying that's out there, what would Jesus do? Well, what would Jesus think if I did this or I did that? So with that, I'm going to end my podcast until next time. Uh, and when we get together next time, we'll be in uh, chapter 19. So with that said, bye for now.